0: And we join on the line now by our market analyst Narina Fissa, strategist at ETFSA. Good morning, Narina.
1: Good morning, Fakina.
0: Narina, it wasn't a pretty picture yesterday. Red across the board. No. And uh, is this the beginning of the end, or is there some light yet at the end of the tunnel?
1: <laughs> there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Sometimes it's an oncoming train, but there's always light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> Indeed, read across the board. You know, most markets yesterday um, fell by somewhere between 2 and 4%, um, and I guess even the U.S., even only down about 1.5%, really masks the fact that for most of the day, that market also um, traded down almost 3%, and it was really sort of a, a late recovery that saw us close down only 1.5%. Um, you know, I think uh, the, the main reason for it really is the continued slide in the oil price, down to a third. 15-year and, and, of course, this affects um, and, um, emerging markets from an econo- economic point of view more than developed markets, but it does affect developed market equities a lot because um, a lot of it, if you look at the FTSE, for example, still dominated by oil pro- global oil producers, so really quite a drag on, on global equities. But you know earlier in the week when when we uh, spoke about the Chinese GDP number that came out we we alluded to the fact that we would expect the Chinese people to the People Bank of China, the central bank um, to to come with new policy measures to market and that 's exactly what they 've done they 've um, uh, really started to participate in open market purchases again, um, and I think it 's one of the reasons why we do see the the Asian markets um, in stronger uh, in a stronger position this morning in positive territory. Um, And I do think we will see a little bit of of a bounce today after the dreadful red day yesterday.
0: Mm. Yeah, we can only pray for better. But uh, looking at what's happening in uh, the Asian markets this morning, we hopeful, Narina. And mm-hmm. then um, we spoke about the outlook for inflation in South Africa yesterday. CPI for December increased 5.2%. Retail sales figures were apparently better than expected, uh, but they were still well below inflation. Now, did this add to the negative trend on the JSE yesterday?
1: You know, not really. Maybe a little bit in terms of of further RAND weakness. Um, I think a lot of the focus really now is on on what this uh, inflation and retail sales figure will mean for the SARB's interest rate decision next week. I see a a poll on economists have said that uh, there's more that now expect them to increase rates by 50 basis points rather than 25. So um, pretty much a a, a unanimous view that there will be an interest rate increase next week. But we did have statements out by both um, as well as Gordon um, you know, at uh, Davos in Switzerland and both of them alluding to the fact that it might be uh, more more moderated so probably more likely that we'll see 25 basis points rather than 50. Remember the IMF lowered their growth forecast for South Africa along with most other markets in the world this week so this on- ongoing dilemma of the Saab to try and balance the rising inflation with the very poor growth outlook really putting them into a very difficult position. Um, So, yeah, I do think that uh, another interest rate increase is on the cards for next week, but most likely only 25 basis points, not 50.
0: Let me throw this at you quickly, a tweet from at He says, why are economists allowed to speculate and influence uh, the South African Reserve Bank to increase the repo rate?
1: You know what, I I certainly don't think that that economists are able to influence the view of the Reserve Bank. I think what economists are doing are saying what are the options available to the Reserve Bank and what would they be expected to do given their mandate and their mandate is very much one of inflation targeting and with with inflation um, definitely expected to to breach the the upper limit, the 6% limit um, the the, the Saab's mandate is quite clear and that is that they have to do whatever is necessary to to ensure that inflation does not get out of control and unfortunately there's not a lot in their arsenal they can mostly look at interest rates. Um, The the other measures that need to be taken to control inflation are of a fiscal basis and that's outside of the Saab's mandate so fiscal really would mean what can national treasury and government do in terms of legislation, in terms of government spending and so on and those are all beyond the Saab's direct mandate. So I don't think the economists are influencing the Saab but rather really just highlighting what are the options that are available to the Saab in controlling um, inflation and sticking to its mandate.
0: And then, Rina, we've had some welcome relief uh, in terms of rain in parts of the country, but the drought has not yet been broken. I mean, that much is clear. But uh, we have white maize prices remaining at record levels, and uh, they are about 25% higher than yellow maize
1: why such a big difference? You know what, I think of this is, I like to refer to this as amazing snobbery. <laughs> you know, it's amazing the, the, the cultural view that we have on yellow maize as opposed to white maize. White maize is really at a premium because consumers are demanding it and you sort of have to ask yourself in the current economic climate whether this is something, whether this form of snobbery is something that we can afford. Interestingly enough, yellow maize actually has slightly better nutritional value than white maize but for some reason in South Africa we have the view that yellow maize is is animal feed and that white maize is for human consumption which is not right at all. I mean you just have to ask the the Italians what they think about their polenta and you'll see that that yellow maize is certainly considered a a, a wonderful food source in other parts of the world. So part of the reason why we have this premium is because there are very few white maize producers in the world Um, South Africa being one of them and with our drought resulting in not having enough white maize for, for domestic consumption, um, the, the, we've been forced to import it and and there just is not enough to go around. So government has already alluded to the fact that they will allow yellow maize to be mixed in with white maize and I think as consumers we need to really sort of be quite pragmatic about this and say, can we afford this snobbery? There's absolutely nothing wrong with yellow maize. In fact, as I say, nutritionally it's it's slightly better than white maize and I think for, for all of our pockets we really do need to, to sort of let this go and accept that yellow maize mixed in with white maize um, is certainly acceptable. I don't think any of us can afford that 25% premium that white maize currently has over yellow maize.
0: Well, Narina, thanks for that explanation. Speak to you again tomorrow morning. I'm Noreena Fisser, strategist at ETFSA.